I'm now going to speak to Ken Brokart of Burgundy Asset Management, joint manager of our Greater European Progressive Portfolios. A warm welcome to you, Ken, and thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today from Toronto. Oh, thanks, Chris. It's, it's good to, to be here. Ken, we'll start with the obvious question as far as European equities are concerned. Um, sovereign debt issues have been dominating the headlines um, in Europe and I think over the rest of the world. Um, do you believe that the worst is now behind us? You know, Chris, I, I think it's really hard to say if technically the worst is behind us. But but what I do think is that it it doesn't mean that it's it's smooth sailing from here. We've seen the the European Central Bank launch launch this. Uh, I think they're calling it the Outright Monetary Transactions Initiative or OMT. And and we've recently seen the the U.S. Fed introduce QE three or you know we've joked kind of internally at Burgundy QE Infinity. Clearly, they're committing a lot of firepower to keeping interest rates low. Now, I think this buys time by reducing the risk of financial panic and dysfunction, maybe takes out short-term big downsides in the market, but lending a lot more and putting a lot more liquidity out there I don't think fixes the fundamental problem of there being too much debt in many countries. And government debts are still going up. And from what I've seen, history tells us that it takes many years to reduce these excessive debt levels and that um, markets will probably show some bumps along the way until the debt levels are reduced. Now, what I think is great about that is bumpy markets provide disciplined and prepared investors with, with opportunities. And, you know, we've had the privilege of taking care uh, of your clients' funds for the last three years or so. And even with all the negative headlines, especially about Europe, we've, we've managed to generate pretty decent absolute returns uh, in the mid-teens. Now, the future's not always the same as the past, but we, we, we're still employing the same approach that, that we always have for the last 12 years in Europe. So from an investment perspective, what do you see as the most significant threats to your overall investment thesis? Most of the time, because we have a bottom-up approach, it comes down to company-by-company company threats. And you know, we're always trying to buy businesses that we think have a strong advantage. So we're always very keenly watching that that advantage is sustainable. That's always a threat for our approach of investing. I think we're in good shape, but, but, but that's what we have to continually monitor. The only, I guess, uh, if there's a macro threat, if we are in a period where global economies are slower, that's a, a backdrop where our companies don't do as well as otherwise. But I would point out that we we do tend to own companies that that still do quite well in an absolute sense, even with headwinds. Um, like if we look at the last five years through through this great recession, they call it, and, and, and now the euro crisis and so forth, on average over the last five years, our companies, I think, have grown earnings by about 8% a year and dividends by over 10% a year. And maybe more importantly, if, if you look at the, the worst of the downturn, if you look at 2009, the earnings of our companies were, were amazingly resilient. I think they were down by about 1%. So, you know, the worst year of, of a, quite a bad recession in terms of the last century and earnings down only 1%. So slower economic growth isn't as good as healthy economic growth, but we're not, we don't own businesses that need some really aggressive growth, you know, China, you know, whatever story to make good money. And, and you mentioned the importance of uh, the, the bottom-up um, part of your, of your process. Perhaps you give us a couple of examples, Ken, of, of, of stocks you've relatively recently added to the portfolio. Yeah, the, the one thing I should, should mention on that is because we have such a long-term approach, what you'll find is that we, we don't actually transact that frequently. 
will tend to transact quite a bit more when there's times of greatest panic and opportunity. So, you know, given that, the newest additions to the portfolio were actually made about a year ago when the market sold off significantly as the euro crisis kind of deepened, kind of, you know, when Spanish and Italian bond yields started blowing out. And in this short period, it gave us a chance to buy positions in um, a British engineering company called IMI and and a dominant global exchange group called Deutsche Börse. And we had a chance to buy them at really depressed prices. In in both cases, the share prices had fallen, you know, 30 to 35 percent at the point we purchased them compared to their their highs just a few months before. IMI was you know traded down to a a P.E. ratio at the time of about 12 times. It, it ends up it was actually cheaper than that because they've continued to grow their earnings strongly. Uh, and Deutsche Börse, we bought it at about nine times earnings. So, Ken, from a business perspective, what particular attractions did you see in buying shares in IMI? Well, IMI, for, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is a, it's a British engineering company, and, and they make high-end valve and fluid control solutions. It's a company that earns profit margins uh, that are that are almost 17 percent and and returns on its capital that are that are in the mid-20s and you know if you look at its record you know since 1994 the dividend has never declined and it's actually gone up almost threefold from 11 pence a share to 30 pence a share and some of the keys to this success and, and, and attractive financials are that they make bespoke products that are a small part of the cost of their customer's overall system, but they're actually crucial to its performance. And this is what allows them to have some pricing power and to generate good margins. An an example I'd bring up is one of their business segments called Severe Service. They make bypass valve for power plant turbines. And the key to that is that if you don't bypass enough energy, you could actually damage the turbine, which is worth multiples and multiples what this valve is worth. But if you if you bypass too much, the plant doesn't run efficiently. So customers are willing to work with IMI on quite bespoke solutions, and, and they make good margins on that. Another thing about it that attracts us a lot is that they earn a good portion of their revenues on a recurring basis. This severe service business makes over 40% of its revenues from the aftermarket, and they have another business that, that supplies valves for controlling kind of the, the indoor climate of buildings. And 70% of that business is from refurbishments as opposed to new buildings. So, so when we look at it overall, their pricing power, their, their recurring aftermarket revenues, and, and they've also uh, had really diligent cost management. It, it was one of few industrials that, that grew profits through the last recession. We also think that it, Martin Lamb and the management team are excellent at allocating the, the free cash flow of the company. Mr. Lamb, uh, over the last decade and more, has been investing in their best businesses and de-emphasizing the weaker parts of the business such that the business mix today is vastly different than, than a decade ago. And I, I think this is something that some investors don't appreciate and, and maybe why we've had a chance to purchase the, the, the company at an attractive price last year. Ken, thank you for going through the the case for why you own shares in IMI. I think it's really helpful for our investors to understand the depth of the analysis that you undertake and, and also your deep impressions of the capabilities of the business. 
I wanted to ask you finally, if I may, um, you talked about stock-specific examples like iMine and Deutsche Börse. But do you think in in general there is still scope for uh, lots of recovery from shares in European companies? When I look at our portfolio companies and I look at our dream team, and these are companies that that meet our quality criteria, but they, they, they may not be at the right price yet. When I look at those lists and look at opportunities we might take, I, I kind of observe that um, the obviously high-quality companies, they're not as cheap as they were. Um, I think they're still discounted, especially the ones that we've chosen to continue owning. But then companies that are quite a bit lower quality are actually not enough cheaper. We're in an interesting time where um, you know quality is is you know at decent prices not not as cheap as it as it what once was but um you know mediocre companies are um there's not obvious ones that are significantly cheaper so it, it it's an environment where um you definitely want to be a stock picker and and not just picking a theme Ken, I'm afraid that's all we got time for today thank you very much indeed for your time you're welcome any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.